Welcome to Star Wars Comics and Canon. The Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 92. Hello there, my friends, and welcome to another episode. I appreciate all of you tuning in. If this is your first time, let me just tell you that I'm going to go through each of the comics in a bit of detail, talking about the plot, as well as some of the connective tissue as well, some of the relevant like characters that you may have missed or species, those sorts of things. So there will be spoilers in this, but I try and put it together in a way that you can listen to this instead of reading the comics, so you get the broad strokes of the plot, or you can listen to it as a sort of refresher if you've already read the comics. Or you can listen and then go read the comics and there's still plenty of great stuff in the comics to sink your teeth into, such as the amazing graphics. And also I don't read out every bit of dialogue. I don't explain every single conversation that happens. It's more so the broad strokes of the plot. So there's still plenty of things to enjoy if you pick up the comics yourselves. And I do recommend that because these High Republic comics are brilliant. So with that in mind, let's get into things. So as I said, I am tackling the third volume of the High Republic comics published by Marvel. So this is in the final way of the first phase of the High Republic. I will say here that I would recommend reading the Fallen Star book, which is by Claudia Gray. However, the first three comics of this don't spoil anything in Fallen Star, but the last two comics do give something away, but I'll get into that when I get there. However, if you've seen the cover of High Republic 15, or you've seen any of the press photos regarding the third wave of Phase 1 of the High Republic, you know what the spoiler generally is. And in fact, I wouldn't even necessarily say it's a spoiler, even the name of Claudia Gray's book is hinting as to what happens. It's kind of like a, not really a secret, everyone kind of knows what would happen in the book. It's just how it happens, why, the repercussions of it, etc, etc. But I'm going to get into that a little bit later. So before I tell you the personnel and releases and things, may I just remind you that obviously this is the third volume. So if you want to check out the first and second volumes of my episodes of the High Republic comics, I tackled the first volume in episode 84 of Styles Comics and Canon and volume two I tackled in episode 88. If you're listening on YouTube, they're in playlists. There's a High Republic playlist or you can just check out the Star Wars Comics and Canon all episodes playlist and then just scroll down a little bit. If you're listening on the feed of Comics in Motion in any podcast app, you should just be able to scroll back by a few weeks or you can just type in Star Wars comics in canon High Republic or comics in motion High Republic those sort of things and it will pop up but my friends with that in mind let's get into the information of these issues so this is covering issues 11 to 15 of the High Republic comics published by Marvel. So issue 11 was released November 10th, 2021. Issue 15 was released March 2nd, 2022. And the trade paperback collection will be coming out May 3rd, 2022. And I must add here that the trade paperback collection is going to have all five of these comics, as well as the Eye of the Storm comics. So there are two issues of Eye of the Storm. They both feature Marquion Rowe, who's the main antagonist of the High Republic Phase 1. And 
And the only reason I'm not tackling them in this episode itself is because I'm due to release the Fallen Star book review, probably not next week. I imagine it'll be the week after that. But I wanted to try and release the majority of content that comes out after the Fallen Star, after I've released my book review, because obviously, although my book reviews start off spoiler free, as they go on, I give people warnings. And then right near the end, I give people the plot details of what happened just in broad strokes for the book itself. And I do that with each of my book reviews. So I want to try and make sure that I get the Fallen Star stuff released and then I'll go into Eye of the Storm Part 1 and 2, the High Republic Adventures comics, the Trail of Shadows miniseries, like all the stuff that kind of comes after or heavily references the Fallen Star. The only reason I'm doing this one first is because upon reading the Fallen Star and these comics, I wouldn't say that the spoilers are too heavy. But once again, I'll give you guys plenty of warning because you don't need to worry about Fallen Star spoilers until issue 14. So uh, with that in mind, let's get into who was involved with this release. So Kevin Scott wrote all of these issues. And then I'm going to tell you the color artist because it's a bit more simple. So you've got Carlos Lopez, who was the color artist on all five of these issues, but he did have help from Jesus Abotov on issue 11. The pencilers, you've got Georges Gianti on issues 11 and 12, and Ario Anindito on issues 13 to 15. And then you've got Mark Morales as the inker on issues 11, 13, 14, and 15. You've got Carl Story as the inker on issues 11 and 12. And then you've got Victor Olazaba on issues 11 and 15. If that sounds a little bit confusing, I will detail them in the show notes. So that's all the background information required. So let's get into the crawl of these final High Republic comics. Sent undercover by Marshal Avar Chris, the true identities of Jedi Keeve Trennis and Terek have been discovered by the brutal Nile leader, Lorna D. D has unleashed a terrible horror that is attacking the young Jedi. Terek's Bond's twin, Serek, is feeling the effects far away on board of the Jedi cruiser, Ataraxia. As Chris and Master Skier, still battling his own demons, watch in horror, Serek's body begins to calcify. And I should add in here that these collection of comics, both the trade paperback collection and the story arc itself, are called Jedi's End. So with that in mind, let's get into issue number 11. So issue 11 starts with Keeve hallucinating at the Leveller. Now the Leveller is a being that the Nile have unleashed that attack the Jedi, make them hallucinate, and seem to not only stop their connection to the Force somewhat, but then kill them. The Leveller seems to feed on their Force energy and then calcifies these beings. So calcification is basically them turning into stone, but it's not technically stone, hence why calcification. This gets detailed a little bit in prior pieces of High Republic content, most notably the end of The Rising Storm is when you find out the horror of this, and at the start of The Rising Storm, which is also written by Kevin Scott, it does detail how Mark on row came across this being or these beings and that's where the name leveler came from so the visuals here are very interesting they're not really like other star wars comics that i've read but they're still really really good while keeve is hallucinating at the leveler she thinks numerous things to herself including there is only fear which is a throwback to the earlier issues where the jedi is meant to tell themselves there is no fear while Keeve is just keeled over, hallucinating and absolutely petrified, one of the Nile Tempest Runners, called Zetar, who is a Talpini in a power suit, then goes to attack Keeve. Lorna D then slices off the power suit's arm with a lightsaber, saying, We need the Jedi alive. This is for a purpose. And if you wanted more information on Talpinis and Zetar in particular, as well as Lorna D, make sure you go back and check out episode 84 and 88 of Comics and Canon, because that's where I detail those species and characters. It gets confirmed slightly later on, but the lightsaber that Lorna D is welding is actually Terex's lightsaber. 
So showing that Seret and Terek are both turning to stone slash calcifying, and one of these twins is with Keeve while the other one is on the Ataraxia as it said in the crawl. And the one that is on the Ataraxia is with Avar Chris, Skier, who is Keeve's former master, and also Nuran. Now, Nuran has a very interesting name, which is going to be quite hard for me to pronounce. The characters generally refer to them as Nuran, but I'm going to read out their full name is Nuran Bakarakana. So Nuran Bakarakana. So Nuran is a Frozian, and they are sentient, short, furry, whiskered beings. I would describe them kind of like fox people, but with slightly flatter faces. In the canon, they were first introduced in the High Republic. However, they have got their roots back in Legends. They are only in a few handfuls of Legends content, but their first appearance was from the 95 Legends novel Ambush at Corellia. And Nuran in particular is a female Frozian. On the Ataraxia, Avar and Skir are asking Seret what exactly it feels like, because Seret has got the force bond with their twin, and so they can feel everything that Terek is feeling. And Seret says that the feeling is not like the Drengir, not evil, it just feels empty, nothing, this is void. So Seret then takes the Ataraxia to Zays, X-A-I-S, to try and find the force twin Terek, as well as Keith Trennis, who obviously went undercover to fight the Nile and then got discovered. Seret and Terek then seem to almost die, but they do have a small amount of vital signs still showing, and it's confirmed they went into a hibernation trance, cutting themselves off from the force and keeping themselves alive. The Ataraxia manages to get to the planet that Keeve and Terek are on, and Ava and Skir fly vectors to try and find them. Skir shoots some scrambling Nile ships, which Ava is not overly happy about because, you know, they didn't shoot first, and Ava is still in that mindset that the Jedi need to always be defensive rather than on the offensive, but Skir is obviously not feeling that right now. He jumps out of his vector and then just starts tearing through Nile. There's some very cool panels of this and a couple of them I will be sharing on social media where Scare is just slicing through Nile left and right. He throws his lightsaber in like a spinning arc and it just cuts through hordes of these Nile. And Avar is very concerned, quoting Yoda, that once you walk down the dark path, it's forever in your heart. And so she's thinking she needs to go down there and stop Skier because he's already had some issues with the dark side in this comic run, and that gets explained in more detail in later comics. So while Skier is taking out more and more Nile, Lorna D then warns the rest of the Nile of him. Zetar comes out in his power suit and starts to shoot at Skier. It's then confirmed to Lorna D via comms that Dr. Uttersound has the leveler. A Dr. Uttersound, I'm not going to go into the details of that character, but if you want to find out more about them, I either detailed them in prior High Republic comics episodes, or I spoke about them in either The Light of the Jedi or The Rising Storm book review. I think I did it in The Rising Storm book review, because from what I can vaguely recall, they are more prominent in that. But it's basically just a doctor who works for the Nile, and I believe he is a Shadra fan, which is the short bat people. So Skier confronts Zetar in his power suit and slices the suit in half. Zetar is still alive and fine, but obviously he can no longer fight. Skier then manages to find Keeve and Avar finds Terek, who is calcifying right now. Keeve can't explain what it is that she saw, and then a ship nearby starts to take off, which has Lorna D within it. Avar then uses the force to grab the ship and is trying to stop Lorna D from escaping, and that is where issue 11 ends. So issue 12 starts with Keeve noting that Avar Chris looks tired. It's shown that it's several weeks ahead of what we just saw, but fear not, you get a couple of flashbacks to find out what happened. They're on Starlight Beacon, and Starlight is currently being towed to systems that are experiencing natural disasters. They first went to Dalna, and then they're now going to Aram, E-I-R-A-M, if I'm pronouncing that right. 
because Starlight is a good way to help provide relief to these systems. So it does a flashback now and shows that Ava can't hold on to the ship that Lorna D is escaping on. She's holding on as much as she can. She's asking Skier and Keeve to help, but neither of them can. Skier's having trouble using the Force, and he's holding up Keeve, and Keeve is still in complete shock after her interaction with the Leveller. So because they can't help, then Ava lets go of the ship, and then D manages to escape goes back to now and it shows that Keeve wishes that she could have helped and done more. She blames herself for Laundy escaping on that mission they went on. You've then got some conversations between Maru, Stellan Geos via Holocom, Avar Chris, Skier and Keeve. They're talking about the relief efforts and things and then Avar cuts in and asks Maru about the Nile Path engine being installed onto the Ataraxia because Avar wants to attack the Nile's base. She wants to go and take the fight to them. Stellan Gios, who's part of the Jedi Council, is advising caution against Avar. Avar ignores this, thanks Stellan, and then just goes to the Ataraxia anyway. Keeve continues to blame herself for the failure, and then goes up on the medical bay of Starlight Beacon to check on the twins, Serret and Terek. She's there looking very sad, saying that she's sorry she couldn't help further. Maru then comes up behind her and asks her to watch Avar, because Avar is being led by emotion and is ignoring the Force, and it's becoming quite troublesome, and both Stellan can see it and so can Maru. So you get another flashback. After Lorna D's ship escaped, Avar wants to pursue Lorna D and go after her. Skier says that we should look after the twins and also Keeve. We need to take them back to Starlight to treat them for injuries. Avar then is absolutely furious at Skier, starts yelling at him, saying that he ignored her orders and he was just butchering the Nile. So, in response to that, she says, I have no choice. She takes his lightsaber away and relieves him of his Jedi duties because he's just off the rails. She says that once the Council make a judgement, then we'll figure out what to do with you going forward. Keeve is obviously upset by this, and Avar walks away, clutching Skier's lightsaber, and you see one panel of Avar looking saddened as she walks away. So then it cuts back to now on Starlight Beacon. After Keeve has visited the twins, she then goes to visit Skier, who's in his own chambers and is meditating. They have a little bit of back and forth, and he eventually confirms that he has something called Magrak Syndrome. It's a rare brain condition, where it means that the person who's afflicted by it gives into their base emotions. That's rage, that's fury, those sorts of things. And although it is rare, it has been known to affect Trandoshans, and it's confirmed that his subconscious has been trying to fend it off, which is why he's lost his connection to the Force. Skier tells Keeve to just leave him alone because he's a danger to other people, he's unpredictable and he doesn't know how he can be of help to the Jedi. Keeve disagrees with him and they exchange a few words and then she eventually leaves and goes to the Ataraxia, where Avar is preparing for their next mission. Keeve gets on ship, speaks to Avar and Nuran is there as well and then Skier shows up. Avar does not want Skier on this mission but Keeve says that she will vouch for him. Keeve is now a fully fledged Jedi so she says to Avar that I will vouch for him if he steps out of line I will hit him on his ass is what she says and Avar with a bit of trepidation then accepts this and they then move out. So that's where issue number 12 ends so we now move on to issue number 13. So issue 13 shows that Zetar and Lornady are speaking with Markion Rowe via Holocom. Zetar wants Ro there to defend the Great Hall that they're residing in, which is in no space, and that place gets referenced quite a lot in the main books of the High Republic, and Lornady thinks that Ro will abandon them like he always does. The Ataraxia then appears after using the Path Engine, and Ro tells them to defend, and then leaves the Holocom, and just leaves them there to defend themselves, unsurprisingly. Lorna D says to scramble the fighters because the Jedi won't shoot first, so they should have a little bit of time. Then, straight after saying that, the Ataraxia shoots. Lorna D says that she's actually impressed, and then tells the rest of the Nile to go to battle stations. 
Zetar's armor, or power suit, however you want to call it, isn't actually ready. So D gives him a flamer, which is basically a flamethrower, and tells him to defend the main entrance, and Zetar goes and heads there. D says that she'll defend the hangar. The Nile let out their gas war clouds, as they often do, and then sabers start to cut through the door that has been locked. Zetar tells the Nile to open fire, and Avar, Chris, Keeve, Skir and Gunral then open the door and are deflecting bolts, pushing Nile and the gas away. Now, Gunral is a character who was flying the Ataraxia as well, and their full name is Gunral Monchi. There are a few other pieces of High Republic content, including one of the Adventures comics, as well as the book by Daniel Jose Older, Midnight Horizon, which is the young adult novel, which is part of Phase 1, Wave 3 as well, but that's going to be the last High Republic book that I tackle in amidst this phase. So after I've done Fallen Star, I'll then do Mission to Disaster, and then I'll do Midnight Horizon. But Gunral is a species called a latero. They're approximately 1.5 meters tall, they have four arms and grey skin. Now if you've played the game Jedi Fallen Order, then you all know who a latero is, because the pilot of the Stinger Mantis ship, Grease Drittus, he is also a latero. Now Latero was first introduced in Jedi Fallen Order, as I said, and aside from Fallen Order, they seem to only really be in the High Republic, but obviously Fallen Order only came out a couple years ago, so they're quite a new species to the canon, and as far as I can tell, they are not in Legends. So back to the story, you've got these Jedi deflecting bolts and things and pushing Nile out of the way, but Avar is standing at the front of this attack and is just slicing through the Nile left, right and centre. As she's cutting through all these Nile, Zetar then attacks with his flamethrower. She pushes the flames out of the way with the force and then causes the gas canister on the back of Zetar to explode and it sets him on fire. Avar then continues on unfazed and is continuing to just attack these Nile pretty mercilessly and Skir says to Keeve that you need to follow Avar and stop her because she might do something she may regret. So Keeve then questions Avar asking what she's doing, saying that she's being hypocritical for scorning Skir when Skir actually has a condition that he couldn't help. What is Avar's excuse? Avar ignores this and continues on and Keeve locks lightsabers with Avar telling her to stop. They have like a little tussle and Keeve manages to get Avar to the ground. Before much can be said, Lorna D then shoots Keeve in the back. It shows that she is actually wearing Zetar's power suit, which it turns out was actually repaired enough to be used. The power suit has got a large blade. It looks a bit like a vibro blade, which is not dissimilar to a lightsaber in certain ways, but obviously it's a lot weaker. And while this is all going on, there's some Nile ships outside of the Great Hall that start firing on it to try and destroy it and the Jedi within it. Avar and Lorna D then have a fight because Keeve, after being shot by Zetar's power suit, is then on the ground unconscious. There are some cool panels of them fighting, but Avar does manage to eventually get an upper hand against D, slices off the arm of the power suit that has this vibro weapon, and then uses a massive force push which completely rips this whole suit apart. Lorna D then ignites a lightsaber, which is confirmed prior was Terex's lightsaber against Avar. Avar notices that and starts attacking in anger and then slices D's hand off. Avar is then standing over Lorna D angry and lifts up her blade and yells for light and life and is about to pull it down. And as that happens, you see Keeve wake up and yell out no. So that's where issue 13 ends. So we move on to issue number 14. So here is where I will give the spoiler warning for The Fallen Star. So if you haven't read that book and you want to go in there with knowing nothing at all and 0% of the book has been spoiled for you at all, then here is your warning to say, go check that out and then come back. 
However, I will add here that this is now your spoiler warning. So from here, I am going to say some mild spoilers. If you have been paying attention to the High Republic press and you've seen the cover of the High Republic 15 comic, then you will see that an explosion happens on Starlight Beacon. If you want to find out exactly why that is, how it happened and etc, etc, then you need to read The Fallen Star, which is excellent, may I add, or just wait a week or two for me to release the Fallen Star book review and then you'll have your answer there if you're not planning on picking up the book. However, I will say that after reading this, I actually finished issue 15 before I finished the Fallen Star and I do not believe that it ruins it at all. I would say that if you get about a third to Fallen Star, then the first explosion of starlight occurs. So that's a general understanding of timeline where we are, but issue 15 of these comics will give a small amount of more spoilers towards the fate of Starlight Beacon, but I will get to that towards the end. So on this Nile Great Hall ship thing that's in no space, it is showing that the Nile are still shooting on the side of the ship and a hole emerges where some of the other Jedi are fighting, which is where Skir is, which is where Gunral is, and some Niles start getting sucked out into space. The Jedi use the Force to stop the Nile getting sucked out and Skir manages to close these blast doors, which then close up this hole. The Nile are a bit confused as to why the Jedi saved them, but are seemingly thankful to some degree. Nuran is on the ship Ataraxia and a character called Orbelin is there with them. They manage to shoot the Nile ship that is causing all this damage to the Nile Great Hall and so the ship is now no longer taking fire. Now Orbelin is a character that I believe I detailed when I gave the Rising Storm book review because they are a species which is Ugor or Ugor, U-G-O-R. Orbelin is a Jedi archivist and the Ugor, Ugor, were first seen in Solo A Star Wars Story as sort of background characters and a bit more information is given to them in the visual dictionary. But they are mainly shown in The High Republic and their characters are more fleshed out in it. But Orbelin is the only one with any speaking lines to my knowledge. So an Ugor is a green blob-like entity. They wear these suits to give them some degree of shape and it means that they can pick up things, you know, if they're in essentially an astronaut suit it looks a lot like you know a dome where the head would be and that sort of thing so they can use their appendages or rather they can use their blob-like form to go into certain shapes to help them use things now these creatures were not created in solo or the high republic they were actually first in the 1989 legends role-playing game book so it's a book i believe that you read through and it's role-playing within that and it gives extra lore and etc and it's called scavenger hunt they are mentioned a few places elsewhere but that's the main place they are but back to the story, it shows that Keeve manages to stop Avar Chris from killing D in cold blood. D then says that was foolish and grabs the lightsaber and holds it to Keeve's throat. Avar responds by using a force push to push D into a wall behind her very, very hard. You hear a very loud crunch. It's shown that D is unconscious and not actually dead, and Keeve says that it's okay, Avar, that you just lost yourself a little bit. No one is infallible. That actually leads to the dark side. Avar makes a comment saying that Keeve has become very wise, and she says that she had a great teacher, which obviously referring to Skir. And after a couple of panels, it shows the Ataraxia manages to pick up these Jedi, as well as the Nile that they had, which are now in the brig or hold, basically an internal prison on the ship. And the Ataraxia then uses the Path Engine to go near Eram or Aram, which is where Starlight Beacon currently is. It then shows you that Keeve and Skir are in the Ataraxia's brig, basically guarding the Nile that are currently in their jails. And Skir has a wound that Keeve looks at, but Skir says it's fine, it's going to heal over time, because Trandoshans have pretty good healing properties, they can grow back limbs and things, much like reptiles can. 
Skier then says that this is going to be his last mission because his condition will never get any better. It may not get any worse, but it's just unpredictable and there's no cure for it. So there's no escaping that. And I just want to read a little exchange between Skier and Keeve. So Skier says, Besides, I can think of no better time. Now that I have seen that you're becoming the Jedi, I always knew you would be. And then Skier says, We should return to the flight deck. The guards can take it from here. And Keeve says, Skier, wait. Whatever happens, whatever the council decides, I'll make you proud. I promise. I'll be your legacy. And Skier says, No, Keeve. That's the last thing you should be. This isn't about me. It's about you. You need to follow your own path. Create your own legacy. Become your own Jedi. That has been the reward of every master since before the dawn of the Luminous. The greatest reward of all. So I thought that was just a nice moment between former master and former Padawan. Then it goes back to Avar Chris, who comes to Stellan Geos, who is on Starlight Beacon, and he is now the Marshal of Starlight Beacon. Avar's questioning why this is, and he says, well, you abandoned your post. There's a bit more to their conversation, but it gets cut short by an explosion on Starlight Beacon. And to clarify, in The Fallen Star, you get the same conversation, but you get it from Stellan's perspective, whereas obviously in these comics, it's from Avar's perspective. So the explosion on Starlight, you find out what caused that and the repercussions of it and etc. in the Fallen Star book in itself. But the explosion itself damages the Ataraxia and it means that the ship itself has loss of power and the shields are now gone. And that means that the Nile prisoners are now free. The Jedi on the ship are okay, but they can see that the Starlight Beacon is being pulled into the orbit of the nearby planet Iriam. Nuram decides to dock the ship with the top half of Starlight Beacon so the Jedi can get off the Ataraxia and go help or find out what's going on on Starlight. Orbelin is told to check on the prisoners. Avar and Skier notice that something feels wrong, but Skier can't feel it due to the lack of his connection to the Force. Avar cuts through the airlock with her lightsaber, and then a crowd of people run towards them. Avar tells Gunral to get them aboard Starlight Beacon, while Avar and Keeve and Skier look around. They try and use the communication system, but it shows that not only is Starlight out of power, but also the top and the bottom of Starlight are disconnected, and radiation is actually leaking in as well. Avar, Nuran, and Keeve then sense some sort of bad vibes, like something feels really wrong and really off, but Skier still can't feel it. Avar then calls Skier a monster, ignites her blade, and aims it right at him, and then Keeve says, it's the same thing from Zay's, and it shows the final panel is Avar seeing monsters attacking her. And that is where issue 14 ends. So we move on to issue number 15, which is the finale of this run of High Republic comics and the end of the Jedi's End story arc. So I'm going to start this comic by reading out some of Keeve's inner thoughts. Obviously, she and Ava are being attacked by these leveler creatures that are also called the Nameless. That's like their species. But yeah, so this is Keeve's dialogue. And I will add in here that the artwork for this issue in particular is absolutely incredible. It's happening again, just like on Zay's. The emptiness, the fear. The monsters, here on Starlight, feeding on us, draining us. This time, there's only one difference. Before, there was one of them. Now, they are legion. Before, they fed only on Terek. Now they're feeding on us all. Feeding on Avar, on Nuran, on me. And then you see this green light cut through something that's in front of her. And she thinks, can't be a lightsaber. It's too bright, too painful. The noises, the screams, it's all too much. I need to stop to give in. And then a monster yells, you need to move, now. And she seems to be shaken out of this strange hallucinogenic trance that she's in. She's like, Skier? You're, you're Skier. And he says, we haven't got time for this, Keeve. I scared them off, whatever they are, but they'll be back. 
So it shows that also Kiev is starting to calcify a little bit, like there's cracks in her cheeks and things, but she seems to be recovering now that she's out of that trance. But it shows that Nuran has been killed. They have been completely calcified. Skier says that he'll hold off these creatures and he understands why the Force took away his powers, why he's got this condition, because this is his purpose. He says that he will see Kiev again, and then he turns to fight off the monsters while Avar and Kiev go to the rest of Starlight. The citizens that were on Starlight are now on the Ataraxia, and Orbelin comments that he can see that Starlight is ripping itself into two. He tries to use the tractor beam of the ship, but it doesn't seem to work, and he can't prevent this happening. The Nile then rush Gunral, who is currently protecting the citizens on the Ataraxia, and then it shows what Orbelin is up to, and after he gives up on the tractor beam, a blast goes through his helmet, and it shows that Lorna D has shot him at point-blank range, and it has killed him. D is then sat at the controls, trying to work out what to do. Should she shoot Starlight and help Markion Rose plan, or should she fly off without him and kind of fend for herself? She thinks that Roe would almost certainly stab her in the back, regardless of what she does, so she then flies the ship away. Back on Starlight, you've got Keeve and Avar, who get near the middle of Starlight Beacon, which should be splitting itself apart, and they can't quite figure out why. But then they see that Maru is in the centre. He is floating in the air, right in the middle of this whole room, and he is holding the entirety of Starlight together, and he is straining hugely while doing it. He's confirmed that everyone has been evacuated, however Keeve notes that Seret and Terek are actually still in the med centre, obviously the twins who were calcified prior. Avar tells Keeve to go get them while she helps Maru, and she uses her force power, which is connecting force users using a song. So a bit of information on her sort of force song power. She uses it in the light of the Jedi, and it's a way to meditate and connect all of the Jedi's minds together so they act as one and all of their force abilities kind of complement each other. It's a really, really cool panel of artwork, and you can see quite a few Jedi in there, so I thought I'd list them off. So you've got Torpen Buck, who's also known as Buckets of Blood. He's one of the main characters in the High Republic Adventures comics, which I've been tackling. You've then got Buryaga and Bel Zetafar. Buryaga is a Wookiee Padawan, Bell is a human Padawan, and they are both heavily featured in all three of the main adult books, Light of the Jedi, Rising Storm, and also The Fallen Star. You've then got Vanestra Rowe as well. She's the main character in A Test of Courage. She's heavily involved in Out of the Shadows. And then she's also the main character in Mission to Disaster. And she's one of the coolest Jedi, I'd say, in the High Republic era. You've also got Maru there, as well as, you know, Avar Chris being in the middle of it all. And then you've also got Stellan Geos, Elzar Man, who are both, once again, main characters from the adult books, as I prior mentioned. Stellan, Elzar, and Avar have all been, like, best friends since they were younglings and Padawans. And then you've also got Keeve Trennis there as well. So lots of Jedi from the variety of High Republic pieces of content, who are all seemingly on Starlight Beacon, are all connected to try and help Maru keep the place together. Keeve manages to get to the twins and then a hole opens up on the side of the ship and then starts to suck Keeve out. As she gets pulled out, she then gets grabbed by something and it shows that the twins have awakened. They heard Avar's song and they've managed to hold Keeve using the force from being pulled out. It then goes back to Avar and Maru. Starlight is still splitting itself together and it's getting worse and more and more difficult to hold together. So Avar tells Maru to leave. She'll stay, he can evacuate and she'll just ensure that everyone gets away safely. He says, you always were our shining light and light must be protected, come what may. And he tells his astromech now and the astromech shoves Avar into a nearby escape pod, closes the door and then the escape pod jettisons. Maru then yells out, may the force be with you, Marshal always. And Avar screams out, Maru, no, I'm not leaving you. And then Starlight completely sets ablaze, 
as the escape pod does manage to escape and crashes on the nearby planet of Ariam, it is very clear that Maru did not make it out alive. Avar gets out of her pod and she's completely distraught. She doesn't know what to do with herself and she is just looking an absolute mess. And this is basically where the comic ends, but I wanted to read out what Keeve's final thoughts are before we wrap this up. And I will also add here that some of the lines of dialogue of this part is a direct throwback to the first issue of The High Republic. So, Keeve's monologue. I'll never forget the first time I met Avar Chris, the day of Starlight's dedication ceremony. How could I? She was glorious. The hero of Hetzel, Marshal of Starlight. Best of the best. She was everything I longed to be. Everything I thought I wasn't. Now I have to step up. Now I have to be strong. Strong enough to find out what happened up there. To find out what those creatures were. Not for Avar. Not even for Skir. Not even for me. We need to know for those who trusted us. For those we said we'd protect. For light. And the final panel is Keeve holding Avar Chris, who's just devastated in her arms about the loss of Maru and seeing the fragments of Starlight Beacon just on fire and exploding. So my friends, that is where we finish the High Republic comics. I really hope you enjoyed these, and there's still plenty more High Republic content to come, so let's just give a little summary of what's coming up for Star Wars Comics in Canon. I'm planning on doing the Fallen Star book review, I imagine that'll be in two episodes time. Next week, I may end up doing potentially another batch of the Podamron comics, or I may end up starting on the Crimson Rain comic run. I haven't fully decided what I'm actually going to do next week, as I haven't yet finished Fallen Star. I'm like a few chapters away from the very end of it. So it'll kind of depend if I manage to finish that on the weekend, and then I could do the book review for next week. So I'm not 100% sure, but just in general, I'm going to be doing the final issues of the High Republic Adventures comics, the Trail of Shadows five-part miniseries, the two issues of Eye of the Storm, the Fallen Star book review, Mission to Disaster book review, Midnight Horizon book review, and the Halcyon Legacy miniseries as well, but that's not going to be finished for another couple of months yet. And then in addition to that, we've got the Kenobi comic series coming out soon. We've got the Han Solo and Chewbacca series, which I've got the first issue of. Then obviously there's the Crimson Rain stuff that I've been tackling. Plus there's the IDW publishing comics. So there's the Star Wars Adventures line, including the Adventures in Wild Space, I think it's called. Then you've also got, yeah, two batches of the Tales of Vader's Castle, you know, the sort of anthology horror comics by Kevin Scott. So lots of different comics and stuff. And then the High Republic will start with phase two, which is set 150 years before the first phase of the High Republic. And they're going to start being released in October. So as of recording, this is April and it's going to be released later. So, you know, we've still got another six months from now, really. So I should be completely up to date with all the High Republic content by the time we get to October. And then I'll be able to kind of start afresh with those things. But what else is going on? Well, obviously always check these show notes, uh, whether you're on YouTube or you're listening on the feed of Comics in Motion on a podcast app. The show notes, I always put a huge amount of information of previous episodes and stuff I've been up to with guest spots and whatnot. So I've been on Star Wars Timeline quite a few times. I've got a link to some of the other guest spots I've been doing. I was on the fourth episode of the Comics in Motion book club where we tackled the first volume of Sandman. So I've been in quite a few different bits and pieces. I'm also, I appeared on Star Wars Timeline again recently recently to do a part two of our conversation regarding accents and we focus primarily on the prequel trilogy this time so that i think is going to be out monday so like a couple days after this drops that'll be on star wars timelines youtube channel and then i've got a few other exciting things planned i'm speaking to an individual who was involved in the high republic next week so that's all i'm going to say about that but you know come next episode i'm going to be very excited to talk about that 
Then, obviously, on the feed of Genuine Chit Chat, I speak to a wide variety of different people. I spoke to Melissa Morgan of Just the Tipsters, True Crime Podcast. We spoke about grief. I've got an episode with Shadow coming out, which is a UK rapper. I had him on like two and a half years ago, and I had him on again because he's been involved in lots of cool stuff, including with the rapper Tech9. So that's a lot of fun. I'm going to be speaking to a comic artist next week as well as the Star Wars content creator. I've got plans to speak with a person, I think, every week for the next few weeks now. There's also the Moon Knight discussion, which is going on on the feed of Comics in Motion. So that's a weekly discussion show hosted by Scott Weatherly, the 20th Century Geek. I should be on next week's episode, which is going to be discussing episode two. And then once the Kenobi show starts, which I think has now been moved to May 27th, but I think they're dropping two episodes when um, when it comes out as opposed to one a week. So it's going to be two to begin with, then one the subsequent weeks so there'll be five weeks of that i'm going to be doing another one of those shows on the feed of comics in motion but also if you're listening on youtube it will be on there too and if you want to support the show you can do it in a variety of ways you can share the show with your friends tell people about styles comics and canon and the feed of comics in motion or my youtube channel depending on where you're listening you can tell people about genuine chit chat as well it's always good to tell people about that anyone who's into star wars you go on youtube and you can find all of these star wars conversations i've had some of styles content creators other with people who just love styles like i do and all the episodes of styles comics and canon are in playlists so there's a playlist for darth vader one for the high republic one for book reviews war of the bounty hunters loads of them so if you want a good place to start that's a really really good place to check out some of my content and it's got all the genuine chit chat stuff a lot of them have got video with them too and then as well as the standard star wars comics in canon stuff plus if you could subscribe on YouTube, that would be a big help because I want to get to 100 subscribers and then I can change the channel link name. I know the vast majority of you do not listen on YouTube and that's evidenced by the views on there. Um, and I appreciate all you guys listening on the podcasting apps and whatnot, but I only need a small handful of people to subscribe on YouTube and then I can change the channel link name. But if you don't want to support the show doing those things or if you've already done those, obviously sharing on social media is a great way to get the show out there as well as reviewing on Good Pods or on Apple Podcasts or anywhere like that. If you're on Spotify, you can just give it a rating out of five. So obviously five-star ratings would be hugely appreciated on that. And the other way that you can support the show, which is a huge, huge way to do things, is to support the show on Patreon. I've recently had two new people on my Patreon who are now supporters of the show. That is Dan Bors and Scott Weatherly. So huge shout out to them thank you very much they get access much like all my other patrons at any level to the audio exclusive rss feed so when you become a patron you then get a message on patreon which has a link in it and that link you can put into a podcast player of your choice um, or you can check it out on just a browser if you're on your computer and things and it will give you access to the gcc genuine chit chat exclusive patreon feed so you get access to certain book reviews that get released on there that don't get released anywhere else there's some legends books that are on there like darth plagueis and shatterpoint but there's some canon stuff on there like last shot and dark disciple i'm also going to be recording my a new dawn book review that i'm going to be putting on there soon as well plus you get access to the afterthoughts that myself and megan do so we talk about tv shows and movies some are spoiler free some are not we give ample warning there and megan has taken to singing quite a lot in the last few ones so if you want to hear our review of the stage production les miserables and you want to hear megan singing quite a lot in it then you know become a patron supporter because if you like hearing megan's voice then that's a great way to do it i release at least one episode of afterthoughts every single week and a lot of weeks i do release two episodes on there so it's hours of additional content plus you get to support the show and you get loads of other little benefits as well depending on how much you give but even if you just give the lowest amount one pound a month then you still get access to the audio exclusive feed and all of the bonus audio content as well as you know early access to other stuff 
But yeah, that's all my plugging, I think, guys. You know, thank you as always for tuning in. I appreciate each and every one of you listening all the way to the end and just listening to this show and any of the other shows on Comics Emotion or any of the other episodes on my YouTube channel. And so I'll talk to you guys next week with whatever I end up figuring out what I'm going to do. And in addition to that, my friends, as always, may the force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.